Hey listeners, just a reminder that the history of everything sex is for mature audiences, so listen with discretion. And don't forget, we're ready for suggestions, ideas, stories, whatever you want to tell us. Just email us at thehistoryofsexpod at gmail.com. Thanks! Welcome. Oh, sorry. Well, this is you're welcome. <laughs> oh, welcome to the history of everything sex. I'm Melinda. Just that quick this time. I'm Terry. Sometimes you just bust it out and you're just ready what to roll. What you got for me today? Girl. Yep, sometimes. You know a whole lot more about porn than I do. That's just a statement. Um, just a statement? Okay. It's just a statement. And you know... Uh-huh. A lot more porn. Well, I did not know about tentacle porn. Easy for you to say. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) You're right. But even Mm -hmm. I have heard the names Ron Jeremy and John Holmes before. And that's saying something. Yes. Because if I know their names, then they must be pretty, pretty popular shit. So I decided right. that I'm going to mm-hmm. do an episode on these two guys. And I'm really glad that I did because oh, nice. I was completely ignorant of these guys. Um, and now uh-huh. that I have learned so much about them, I hate them both. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but okay, I was everybody say, can have their own opinion. Kind of, they're kind of pieces of shit, but they are <laughs> big pieces of shit. Yes, but we're going to delve yeah. right into a little bit pieces of shit. Yes. So we're actually going to start with Ron Jeremy. Um, we'll start with his story okay. first. OK, so we're going to jump in here. So Ronald Jeremy Hyatt is one of the best known porn stars ever. And he was active from 1978 to 2018. OK, Ron was born on March 12, 1953 in Queens, New York to a Jewish middle-class family, and he was the middle of three children. His mom was a book editor, but she also worked as a spy and decoder for the OSS, which is the Office of Strategic Services. That's the predecessor of the CIA in Europe during World War II because she knew German. Yeah, she knew German and French. So she basically worked for the CIA. Oh. She, could, she knew all the languages. Very cool. Well, sadly, she suffered from Parkinson's disease Eek. from the time Ron was eight years old. And she was living in a nursing home by the time Ron took up acting. So oh, she wow. got very sick very quickly. Now, Ron's dad, Arnold Hyatt, was a physicist and a professor at Queens College. So he's a pretty smart <laughs> dude, too. He's got some pretty smart right. parents. He does. He now lives, the dad now lives in Nashville, Tennessee, with Ron's brother, Larry, uh, and his sister, Susan, lives in Colorado. Fun fact, definitely on a tangent here, not necessarily part of the story, but I wanted to bring this up because I just happened to stumble upon this. Uh-huh. Ron Jeremy's brother, Larry, Graduated from Harvard in 1978. He -hmm. was the CFO and for a short time, the CEO of O'Charlie's Restaurants. 
And then he was the CFO of Cracker Barrel until he retired in 2015. Get out of here. That is a really big deal. Like, oh, that's, yeah, that's a lot that's, of money and you got to be yeah. real smart. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was, you know, right. I just thought what that was kind of interesting. She works at the Department of um, what do you call the lawyers? Like, if you can't afford a lawyer, we'll appoint one to you from the. Oh, the. Department of Justice. Well, no, like the, um, that's Wonder Woman Department uh, of Justice. No, that's the Justice Center. Oh, that's the Hall of Justice fame. Hall, Hall of Justice. Fame. Hall of Justice. Yeah. The Justice Center is the police <laughs> station in Cincinnati. We're getting we're doing real good right. here. Something, some we kind of public defenders, public defenders, public defenders. Yes. yes. OK. In Colorado. So we've got a lawyer. Yes. We've got a lawyer. A yes. C- or someone who works in that office. Right. A C- paralegal, maybe yes. a CFO. Yes. Uh, a pro- professor. Yes. And a military decoder. Correct. And the hedgehog. Yes. <laughs> the hedgehog. <laughs> and you wonder who made more money in their life. I well, you. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't even know. I don't I mean, even I know. Either. I think, I, think prob- I would think he makes pretty good money or made pretty good. Right. Money. Yeah. Or at some point had money, but I yeah. don't think any of them are hurting for um, groceries. OK, so back to the right. story. So even though Ron was raised in a Jewish family, he doesn't he doesn't consider himself a practicing Jew. Uh, mm-hmm. He said he's only been to temple like once. And if he were to go to to temple it'd be for like the donuts that you get after after temple or whatever um ron graduated from benjamin and cardoza high school in 1971 he double majored in theater and education in college and got his master's degree in special education from queen's college which is part of the city university of new york it's huh. like a big conglomerate of colleges all under that name. And so he went to school where his yeah. dad was a professor and he ended up with a master's degree. I did not know that. Right. So from there, he became a <laughs> high school teacher. He was a high school teacher in New York for a few years until he left teaching to pursue an acting career on Broadway. He decided oh, that that's what he would rather on do. Broadway. Uh, in 1978, no, no, interesting. <laughs> in 1978, mm-hmm. Ron's girlfriend sent his picture to Playgirl for the Boy Next Door feature. Ron awaited a phone call to set up a photo shoot, but to his surprise, that picture was actually published in the magazine, and he was quickly noticed by some adult filmmakers. And really, why wouldn't he be? His penis is an impressive 10 inches long when erect. And this definitely made him attractive to the porn industry. Right. But it helped that he could put his penis in his own <laughs> mouth. And he can ejaculate yeah. on cue. And he was also known for lasting a really long time, which he attributes to thinking of dead animals or his grandma or Vietnam casualties. Oh that, my gosh. That'll I do it. I did not know that. That'll keep you from right. having that organism. Right. There was an actress once who said, some of the kinkier acts that actresses would not perform are 
bestiality, sadomasochism, and Ron Jeremy. Oh my God. Yeah. So they're like, that's, yeah, that's a line that a lot of them would not cross. Now yeah. his, his regular guy looks were really what set him apart and made him such an instant fan favorite. Like, hey, if he can get girls, anybody can get the girls. He was five, six, he weighed 205 pounds, and he was not, uh -huh. your, that's not your usual stats for a porn star. Right. The picture published in Playgirl was attached to his name, Ronald Hyatt. His grandma, Rose, or R. Hyatt, started receiving lots of phone calls, mostly mm -hmm. from gay men looking for Ron. His dad made him change his stage name, so he took the name Ron Jeremy. So his dad said, you want to do this okay. shit? That's fine, but you're not using the family name because now we're all getting phone calls and publicity, and we don't want that shit. Your damn grandma can't even yeah, that makes sense. stay in her own apartment <laughs> without men harassing her. Right. He made his first movie in 1978, and it was called Co-Ed Teasers. But he also mentioned that his first role was a movie with Samantha Fox. And after an hour in makeup, they ended up only using shots of his penis. Oh, and wow. <laughs> he got paid $150 for that flick. Uh, but you never okay. once see his face, apparently. In 1979, Ron went to California to film with por porn star William Margold. Assuming, as most of us would, that California was sunny and warm, he wore summer clothes and rode a motorcycle. He arrived with hypothermia uh -huh. because the area he was going to in California oh, was my. not sunny and warm. So when he got there, they yeah. rushed him into a warm shower and he came out looking pink and his hair was just sticking straight up all over the place. And that's when Margold said uh -huh. he looked like a walking, talking hedgehog. So from then on, he's had the nickname the Hedgehog. Oh, see, I thought he was called the Hedgehog for a different reason. A lot of people think that it's like one of those because he could roll himself into a ball, into a ball, and that's how he can suck his own wiener. Right, and they'll also say yeah. things <clears throat> like he's short and hairy, and you know, yeah, 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 fat and hairy, or what, short, fat and hairy, or whatever. Yeah. But this is like the true story of how he got that nickname. The true reason. Yeah, oh, okay. it just happened to fit him for multiple reasons. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, Ron estimates that he has been with over 4,000 women. He has been the recipient of several awards. So let's see. In 1983 and 1984, both years, he won the Adult Film Association of America Award for Best Supporting Actor. In 1986 and 1991, he won the Adult Video News Award for Best Supporting Actor. In 2004, he won the AFWG Award for Best Crossover Performer. He won the FICEB Award for Best Actor. And in 2006, he won the AME Award for Favorite Adult Actor. So, I mean, he was, he was pretty popular yeah, for sure. He's, uh decorated for exactly so ron was also in some mainstream movies and this just really cracks me up because i i looked into these and you know they did credit him in these movies so for example yeah. 
in 52 pickup, he was a party goer. Mm-hmm. In George Wallace, the movie, he was a demonstrator. In okay. Reindeer Games, he was prisoner number one. Mm-hmm. In Dead Bang, he was biker number three. Mm-hmm. In Ghostbusters, he was man behind barricade. Okay, see, I don't remember seeing him in Ghostbusters. And you probably I mean, wouldn't I know notice I would him have had to have been looking behind the. Yeah, exactly. It's like looking for yeah. Easter eggs. You have to be like, right, I need right, to find right. yeah. In Boondock Saints, he actually had a name. His name was Vincenzo yeah. Lipazzi. Vincenzo. Vincenzo. He was, yeah. uh, that's, I love that movie, and he does a great job in that movie. He has a couple he, lines, uh, doesn't he? He does. Mm-hmm. He, has some, he has some lines in it. He's mm-hmm. a, he's, he's a dirtbag. Hmm, imagine, um, imagine that. That probably came easily. He, yep, <laughs> probably. Uh, and then in Detroit Rock City, um, he was the MC, which I didn't uh, see that movie, but I read about it. And it looks like it's a cute little movie. Um, all told, it is estimated that he appeared in 55 mainstream mo- mainstream movies, you know, but when you're credited for things like Biker Number 3, you know, I guess you could be in quite a few movies right, and right. You never even know. Yeah. In 1996, there was a, a Disney kids show called Bone Chillers, which aired on ABC. Ron played Blister Face, a monster in Edgar Allan Poe High School. And the producers of the show made sure that he was very disguised in makeup to keep parents who might uh-huh. recognize Ron Jeremy from recognizing yeah. that that was Ron Jeremy. So lots that and lots and lots Jeremy, of makeup. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, Ron even recorded a rap song in the late 90s with DJ Polo called Freak of the Week, which I can tell you is terrible. Uh-huh. Terrible, terrible. Don't waste your time. Don't you'll waste be, my time. Don't even. You'll be so mad at yourself that you even took the time to type the words into the Google search bar <laughs> because it's awful. But to his credit, to their credit, it was on Billboard charts for 27 weeks. I'm really glad that Ron huh. didn't try to make a whole living out of rapping because it, it was awful. But wait, there's right. more. Ron was a okay. contestant on the Wheel of Fortune. Uh, it was either 1978 I, or 1980, <laughs> depending on where you where you find the information. This was when Chuck Woolery mm-hmm. was the host. This was before even Pat Sajak. And oh, this was, I didn't even know that Chuck Woolery was the host. Ever. Yes, way back in the day. And this was when the contestants used to have to spend their money. You remember that? Like after the round was I over. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you yeah, won money, yes, they would say, you get to pick from all these beautiful prizes. They all had price tags. Um, for seventy three dollars, I'll take the skis. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then they would they would count down until you only had a little bit of money left. Okay, so the point is that if you had a little bit of money left but not enough to buy anything, then that would go on either a gift card or a something else like a yeah a check or something, some kind of credit. Right. Yeah. So in this instance, Ron had twenty two dollars left to spend. So when he was asked if he wanted a gift card. He said, no, I want to buy more stuff. And then Chuck Woolery was like, well, you don't have enough money. Like you can't afford anything else. 
And he was he. So he said, well, I have another way to pay for it. And I bawled the Susan, who was the Vanna at that time. Uh, OK. And made it all weird and goofy and gross. Uh, like he was going to like bang her to get some prize off of this right. stupid dumb thing. Anyway, in the yeah. end, he won a set of tennis rackets, a trip to Mexico and a barbecue. OK, so, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Ron hosted a porn talk show called Interludes After oh. Midnight on public access television in Manhattan. Couldn't even find it. So mm-hmm. must have been a real big hit in Manhattan. He has crazy, crazy good. Must have been award winning. Ron has been in a total of 11 music videos with the likes of Kid Rock, Moby, Guns N' Roses Mm -hmm. and Sublime. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, actually, Sublime has a song uh, with his name in it. Did you come across that? No, but why? Yeah, he goes, it's a. It's caress me down. Okay. Is the song. And he goes, Mucha gusto, say I'm your Bradley. I'm hornier than Ron Jeremy. Oh. And then it goes on and on a bit. Yeah. It's that's that's the really the only thing I like about Ron Jeremy is I I do like that song. Genius lyrics right there, buddy. They are. They are. Uh-huh. 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 Yep. All right. Well, I'll have to give that a listen. Yeah, you've heard it before. I'm sure I have. Yeah. Ron was also on the second season of Surreal Life in 2004 with Vanilla Ice, my Vanilla okay. Ice. Your and, Vanilla Ice, yeah. And Tammy Faye Baker was also on that. Um, I remember season. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2006, Ron oddly became best friends with Craig Gross, a pastor who traveled the country talking about how bad porn is. He was wanting to save those who watched or acted in porn. And he founded the XXX Church. I don't know. Triple X Church. Okay. Yeah, I gotcha. So Ron spent time with Gross and his family. And while Mm -hmm. they were on tour together, they would sit on stage arguing and making their own points. You know, Ron arguing like a podcast. Kind of, but like. When they were on stage, they just argued their points and, you know, they got down and dirty and everything. But then they would go back to Pastor Gross's house and just have like a family dinner with the kids and everything. I don't know. Mm. It's just weird. On on April 5th, 2007, TechSmart, which was a vlog type thing on Heavy.com, introduced a news segment about new technology. And Ron, Mm -hmm. it was his show. He would show and tell about some new gadget, and then he would hit the streets to ask people what they think about this new gadget. So he was like, he had his own little segment on TechSmart. Okay, now this is a little bit, I got a little more detail on this one because I kind of fell in a rabbit hole on this one. Okay. In October of 2009, Ron opened a swingers club in Portland, Oregon called Ron Jeremy's Sesso. S-E-S-S-O. Now, what I did come to find is that. So. Yeah, he kind of like helped establish it, but he didn't really own it. Mm-hmm. He like endorsed it. So, you know, I don't know how much okay. he had to do with he it. He slapped his name on it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. 
Now, this place was wild, according to all the reviews that I could find online. It was three floors. And when you walk into like the first floor entrance, it was kind of like any other bar for the most part. And it was actually pretty nice. And there were some pictures. And I mean, it really did look pretty classy. On the second and third floors, there were rooms. Some were private, some not so Mm. much, where patrons could have and join in on sex. Now, apparently there are three possibilities. If the door is closed and the curtain is closed, it's a private room. If the door is closed, but the curtain is open, you are free to watch, (sighs) but not join. If the door is open, all are welcome to join in. It's like there was also a really large mattress slash mat out in the open where large groups of people could engage in sexual activities and others could just sit around and watch. Mm -hmm. Like you sit around like a wrestling match or whatever. Mm -hmm. And just all these people just doing what they want to do together. And you just could sit there and drink and critique Mm -hmm. or whatever. And you're just watching. Exactly. You're like, "Mm, that's an interesting Mm -hmm. idea over there. Yeah. There were theme nights, of course. I never would have thought of that. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And both dinner and an after midnight breakfast were served buffet style. Every (laughs) review I saw was like, and there's bacon. I'm like, I guess bacon (laughs) will draw the crowds in. Exactly. Let me tell you. It will. Many TVs were showing porn at all times around the bar. There was a stripper pole area, a sex swing, and cages Mm -hmm. to dance in. And these were all for, you know, just the patrons to use. So, yeah. Now, there were rules regarding proper conduct, including no nudity at the buffet. And if someone tells (laughs) you no, (laughs) if someone tells you no, don't ask again. No is no, move along that you don't keep. Yeah. You know, Uh, there were also Mm -hmm. there was also an adequate supply of free condoms available. Cheer, cheer, cheer for that. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then in June 2014, right around their five year. Well, actually, it was their five year anniversary. The third floor had been undergoing some renovations. The. Mm -hmm. The permit to begin using the area again was still pending when the club was set to have their huge anniversary party. The owner at the time Mm -hmm. asked the fire chief if they could get a temporary permit or something just for the party. He was told Mm -hmm. by the fire chief that none of the fire inspectors would be working that night. Wink, wink. So just don't worry about it. Yeah. When the time came, however, he lied. Uh huh. The <laughs> fire marshal did indeed show up and cited the club for allowing patrons to use the third floor. The liquor license endorsement guy also showed up and cited them for serving alcohol on the upper floors as well because they didn't have a liquor license for the upper floors. So this got uh, ugly and ultimately kind of fishy. Exactly, exactly. And then ultimately, it just got too costly to fight over. And so the club closed in July of 2015, because they lost all their money on like legal, Mm. blah, blah, blah. However, sure. Yeah, it has now reopened as Club Privita. Uh And it's basically the same as before. So 
gotcha. thank goodness yeah. Portland, Oregon now has an, a place to go again. Right. So they can it, get their yeah. freak on. Yep. Yep. Um, the Guinness Book of World Records has crowned Ron Jeremy as the person who has acted in the most porn films with over <laughs> 2,000. Now, according to the Internet Adult Film Database, he has been in 2,542 porn films. Plus, he's directed mm. 296. And by the way, <clears throat> according to Ron, he never got an STD as a porn actor, but did get gonorrhea once as a teacher. <laughs> Wait a minute. As Sorry. a porn teacher? No, as a no, no, as a teacher at the high school when he was just while you know, he was a teacher. Well, yeah, like as he was dating women, just and, having casual sex. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, 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 yeah okay. He gets gonorrhea. Yeah. Then he, you know, yeah, he's in 2000 movies and he sleeps with 4000 women and, and he never gets it again. Right. Or so he says anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK. On January 29th of 2013, Ron experienced such terrible chest pain that he drove himself to Cedars Sinai Hospital. There, doctors mm -hmm. found an aneurysm close to his heart. The surgeons did surgery to correct the problem, and he was home three weeks later. Yeah, Crisis, I remember that. Crisis yeah. avoided. Now, way back in 2003, Ron was arrested for groping a woman working in a strip club in Michigan, and charges were dropped for lack of proof. So I just want to say, up to this point, I'm thinking, man, this just sounds like a dude who is just like living the life. Like he's just yeah. like going with the flow. Like mm -hmm. they're like, hey, Ron Jeremy, you're kind of famous. Do you want to be on this show? And he's like, sure. Yeah. And then he just has fun with it. And then they're like, hey, you want to open a bar with us? Sure. And it just mm -hmm. seems like, like I kind of feel like he's like really manipulated almost like he's like a puppet on strings. You know, and yeah. people could get him to do anything just by saying and he's like, got a shtick, you know, he's. Yep. Yeah, I see. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, kind of like he just fell into this. Well, he sure as fuck fell mm -hmm. because most recently, just over two years <laughs> ago, he was mm -hmm. again arrested on June 23rd of 2020 when he was charged with three counts of rape and one case of sexual assault. He pled not guilty on July 27th, and he was held on $6.6 million bond at Twin Towers Jail in Los Angeles. By August 31st, just two months later, 20 additional counts of sexual assault were added from 12 mm -hmm. more victims who had come forward, their assaults dating back to 2004. By October 28th, 2020, seven more sexual assault counts were added involving six more women dating back to 1996. Now, 14 of these cases yeah. against Ron were dropped due to statute of limitations. So 14 okay, cases okay. completely off the table. Can't even begin to talk about that. Right, the next right. day on October 29th, <clears throat> Ron again pled not guilty to all counts. On August 19th of 2021, he was indicted on a total of over 30 counts of sexual assault involving 21 women 
and girls on August 25th of 2021, according to the, and this is a quote from the LA County District Attorney's Office, Ron pleaded not guilty Mm -hmm. today to 12 counts of forcible rape, seven counts of forcible oral copulation, six counts of sexual battery by restraint, four counts of sexual penetration by a foreign object, two counts of sexual penetration of an unconscious or asleep person, and one count each of lewd act upon a child (laughs) under the age of 14 or 15, sodomy by use of force, and assault with intent to commit rape. Well, you're an ass. Right. Yeah, dude. May of this year, so May 17th of 2022, the case was suspended when Ron seemed to have mental health issues. His lawyer says that when he went to get Ron from his cell, Ron didn't recognize him. Ron was like so confused. And so they went, basically the lawyer went to court without Ron and was like, something's the matter. He has no idea what's going on. So the judge ordered a psychological evaluation. And at this point, they still know Mm -hmm. when it'll, when they'll actually start a trial because he's still undergoing the evaluation. Now, when he does finally get his day in court, if he is convicted, he faces 330 years in prison. Jesus. I'm a little bit surprised that he's still in jail, that he didn't post bail. Right. Yeah, I'm a little surprised at that, too. I mean, $6.6 million is a lot of money. And, you know, maybe I just overestimate how much porn stars make. Right. Well, what I was thinking was, so 6.6 million, but isn't it a certain percentage for to post bail? I think it's 10. I think it's 10%. So if it's 10%, then it's 10% of whatever. So like $660,000. Which you think that he'd be able to come up with that, especially he's got a professor, dad, a lawyer, sister, and the other brother, the brother that did something. CFO. CFO. Freaking hash brown casserole. I've, I've bought enough hash brown casserole from Cracker Bro in my life to support that man. But go right ahead. So, yes, well, you're right. You would think that. <clears throat> yeah. Well, know. I will tell you, I do not think that at any time in his life. Ron Jeremy was the least bit attractive, but I will also tell you that he's gotten grosser looking as he's aged. Oh, yeah. And so it's it's really uh, disturbing now to see him in court getting all these sex charges against him. And he just looks gross, gross and greasy. And yeah, yeah, very greasy. That's a good word. Yeah, He, he looks real greasy. So he nasty. I did Google, though, while we were talking and (laughs) and saw the picture that I'm assuming is the picture from Playgirl. And he was a lot better looking than I thought he that he looked. Yeah, because he obviously wasn't so greasy, greasy looking back then. (laughs) yet a different kind of greasy. (laughs) Right. Exactly. All right. So now we're going to move to our second little porn star here, Mr. John Holmes. Yep. 
So John Holmes was born John Curtis Estes on August 8th, 1944 in Asheville, which is a city in Pickaway County, Ohio. Did you know he was from Ohio? Uh, I can't remember. Can't remember. Like it doesn't sound, it doesn't, (laughs) it it doesn't sound weird to me. So I, I must've known that. Well, there you go. Yeah. His mom, Mary June Barton, was 26 when he was born, and he was her fourth child. His biological father was Carl Estes, a rail, railroad worker. That's hard to say. Now, Mary was married and divorced from Edgar Harvey Holmes three times. Mm. This woman married and divorced this man three times. The first time they were married was April 13th of 1936. They married each other again, August 13th of 1945, and married each other again on September 12th of 1947. Didn't learn your lesson, didn't you learn your and lesson? And they got, you know, I, I guess I don't understand the divorces and the marries that happened so quick. Right. Like so close. It's one thing when it's like they got divorced in 1940 and then they you know, reunited in 1962 or something like that. That I guess I kind of get, but when it's just, I don't know. Yeah. When you're married to each other, almost exactly two years apart, how long were, because I don't have divorce dates. So you're like, were you married three months and then you were apart for, you know, over a year and a a half? a waste of money. (laughs) So much so, absolutely. Now, Edgar, this guy that she's been married and divorced from, Edgar was the father of her first three kids. She ended up changing John's last name to Holmes when he was little. He didn't find out about his biological dad until 1986. So he just always assumed that Edgar was his dad. Okay. Now, his mom, Mary, was a Southern Baptist. And by some accounts, she was a religious fanatic. Now, I think some people just think if you're a Southern Baptist, you're automatically a religious fanatic. Right, 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 right. I don't know, you know, how much stock to put into that, but Mm -hmm. that's what they say. Edgar was an abusive alcoholic dick who beat the kids and Mary. And John would even say later that Edgar would vomit on the kids when he was really drunk. What a a dick. Yeah. What a stand up role model for you. Yeah. After her and Edgar's third and final divorce, Mary took the four kids to Columbus, Ohio, where they lived with a female friend of hers and her two kids in a low-income apartment. On December 31st, 1951, Mary married Harold Bowman, and the whole family moved to Patascala, Ohio. John would say Harold was a good guy, right up until baby David was born. And then he started to neglect the stepkids. Oh, so once he had his own baby, he was kind of right, like, right, right, right. Yeah, done with the others. I've heard of people like that before. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. According to John, he lost his virginity at the age of 12 to a friend of his mother's. Hmm. Right. Some friend you are. Yeah. John ended up dropping out of high school at 16 and enlisted in the United States Army, and he was stationed in West Germany for three years. Hmm. In 1964, he returned to the States and moved to L.A. (laughs) He had lots of jobs there. He was a forklift operator, a postal Mm -hmm. clerk, 
a door-to-door brush salesman, a taxi, <laughs> a taxi driver, and an ambulance driver, among other things. Uh, it was as an ambulance driver in December of 1964 that John met nurse Sharon Jebanini, and the two of them married the next year in August of 1965, right after John turned 21. Now, while she worked as a nurse, he continued to do odd jobs. At some point in the late 60s, John was at a card party at a men's club. He was using the urinal when a porn photographer noticed him. And by noticed him, I mean, like, looked over at him while he was peeing. What are the chances? I know, exactly. There was a porn photographer (laughs) in the urinal next to him. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's I, I assume it was purely by chance so the guy told him that he could make a lot of money i mean can you imagine peeing and the guy next to you looks over and goes wow you could make a lot wow that's a really big dick what's your name john holmes i got a job for you exactly so he gave him his card and let's just get this out of the way now so some reports say that john holmes's penis was 12 and 5 eighths inches long Mm-hmm. Others put him at a staggering 13 and a half inches, hmm. which is inconceivable to me, but inconceivable, inconceivable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I- the one the porn actresses said about John Holmes that literally his penis was so big that he didn't have enough blood to get it all the way hard. So, like, oh. when they would have sex with him, they said it was like a big loofah. Ooh. Oh, really? <laughs> Gross. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, why? Well, I guess you're getting paid to. That's why. But. Right. <laughs> You'd think that they'd be able to make it harder. Uh, with, like, squeezing think. it or something. Mm, I'm, like, they, they made it work, obviously. It. But make she the also, head, there was another the one who head. said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there was another one who said that giving him head was like giving head to a telephone pole yeah so seeing a way to finally earn some real money john started dabbling in porn posing for pics and also dancing in nightclubs Mm. according to the stories the check that he got for his very first job in porn bounced and after that he only accepted cash for payments okay well yeah remember the good old days of bouncing checks way back then Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so eventually he did tell his wife sharon uh after she caught him measuring his penis one day she was not very happy with the idea of him doing porn Mm -hmm. he said it's just a job it's just a job he made his first x-rated movie in 1969 Uh i know right (laughs) very (laughs) cool they lived next to an apartment complex that sharon managed After work, John would come home and do handyman stuff around the place. His half-brother, David, and sister-in-law, Karen, and their kids rented one of the apartments. John made lots of movies. By 1973, he and Sharon were no longer having sex. Sharon, by the way, was a virgin when they got married. So really, (laughs) she wasn't really down with this whole idea of him sleeping with all these other people she did Mm -hmm. not like that at all uh now porn was still an underground business in the early 70s john was arrested for pimping and pandering 
but he got out of trouble by offering to be an informant. I feel like John's always willing to do whatever he has to do to get out of trouble. He'll squeal on his friends. He'll whatever. Mm -hmm. The 70s were super crazy for John. He started playing the role of Johnny Wad. He played the private detective who basically never solved a case in five movies between, (laughs) between 1976 and 1978. At his peak, he was making $3,000 a day. And supposedly he had an insurance policy on his dick for $14 million. Jeez. Yeah. So if anything happens to that sucker, maybe he should have had something happen to that sucker. He would have $14 million. How much? I mean, so if something happened to, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it had to be like complete dismemberment. Right. To get all of it or if it just, yeah. Also in 1976. So this is a little side note. Don Schiller, D-A-W-N Schiller, Uh moved to Glendale, California, where John and Sharon lived. Mm -hmm. Don was 15. And her parents had just recently divorced. Her father had packed up their stuff, took Dawn and her sister, Terry, and just started driving. Along Mm -hmm. the way, they picked up a hitchhiker who was heading to Glendale, California. Mm -hmm. Dad decided that sounds perfect to me. So that's where they stayed. Soon, John met Dawn and was instantly attracted to her. 15. Never, Never mind that he was 31. Oh, and my married. God. Oh, now, my at, God. Yeah. At first, John would bring home little gifts for Don when he came home from traveling and filming. He mm-hmm. would also bring home pounds of candy for her sister, Terry, who was overweight. And he called it Terry food. Brought <sighs> just some Terry food. He would take Don, Terry and Terry's boyfriend, Jose, on camping trips. And eventually he asked Don to have sex with him. Okay. She did, and that was all it took, and she was completely hooked. Mm. Yes, at 15. Now, at Jeez. some point, her dad and her sister Terry went back to Florida. Dawn started staying with David and Karen, and she dropped out of school and got a day job at a nursing home, and in the evenings or at night, she would babysit for David and Karen. So she's now okay. living with John's brother. Okay. The rest of the 70s for John were full of more porn movies. Oh, and a shit ton of Coke. Yeah. Coke, Coke. John would freebase Coke every day, multiple times a day. Then he would take a bunch of Valium and Don started using as well. Mm-hmm. In 1979, John opened a locksmith shop and adjoining used goods store with his brother, mm. David. Sharon named it the Just Looking Emporium, Hmm. and Don was the store manager. However, John was so strung out that he would forget to order inventory and ended up using all of the store's money to buy drugs, Mm. and the business was gone by September of 1980. Good Lord. Yeah. Also, John was now piss poor. He needed money for drugs, but was too far gone to do porn. So he started prostituting himself as well as Don. He also beat her ass a lot. Jeez. Mm -hmm. Don also became skeletal, partly due to the drugs and partly because John treated her so badly. 
And it was around this time that Sharon brought Don into their home, trying to protect her as much as possible. Right, she right, knew right. What was going on? And Karen just, seems like a dang saint. I know, I know. Jeez. Isn't that crazy? Now, by late 1980, John was burgling homes, carjacking, and running drugs for dealers to get the money and the drugs that he needed. He was introduced to Adele Nasrallah, better known as Eddie Nash. Eddie Nash. Yeah, who was a guy originally from Palestine. And who had made quite a fortune. He started out owning a hot dog stand in 1960 and went on to own bars, clubs, and real estate, estimated to be worth $30 million by the mid-70s. Yeah, he was a, he was a, he was a big, he was big to do is what he was. Yes. $30 million. I mean, even now that's a shit ton of money. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine in the 70s? Um, and of course, he also always had a shit ton of drugs at his house. So, mm-hmm. of course, John was his friend. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, the Wonderland gang, a small circle of men and women who lived on Wonderland Avenue and did anything dirty to make money and get drugs, including scamming people and dealing drugs. Well, John had gotten drugs from the gang and was in debt for some sum of money for some sum of money Mm -hmm. to get right with them. He had this bright idea to help them rob Eddie Nash. John knew every detail about Eddie's house and his routines. He drew up a floor plan of the house, letting them know where the drugs and valuables were kept. Then he devised a plan where he would go see Eddie, unlock a side door, then leave so that the gang could get in through the unlocked door. Mm -hmm. Now, after I wrote all this up and did all the research and everything, I did watch the Wonderland Murders. The other oh, did you like it? Yeah, yes, I it's liked good, it very it? much. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it really, they did a really good job. Like, I couldn't really picture a 15-year-old being with John mm-hmm. until I saw that movie. And then I'm like, oh, I get it now. Like, yeah. it just kind of all clicked into place for me. So yeah. I'm yeah, glad yeah. I did watch it. Yeah, it was really good. I really yeah. liked it. So um, when John left Eddie's and was heading back to the Wonderland house, he passed them as they were headed to Eddie's. They did rob the house and and they shot and injured Eddie's bodyguard, Dials. Eddie immediately suspected stupid John had something to do with it, seeing as how he'd been at the house three fucking times that day. Right, right. When Eddie was so cooked out. Exactly. When mm-hmm. Eddie's boys brought John to the house, he was beaten and threats against his family were made until he finally spilled the beans. Now, in retaliation, on July 1st, 1980, at 3 a.m., someone broke into the Wonderland house and beat the members of the gang that were there to death with metal pipes and hammers. Billy Deverell, Ron Lanias. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right, Lanias? Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> Joy Miller and Barbara Richardson were all brutally murdered. A fifth victim, Ronald's estranged wife, Susan, survived the attack, but has never regained any memory of that night. Right. John, along with Don, took off for Florida, where they hid out for six months. Eventually, Don's brother convinced her to turn John into the cops. 
He was arrested when he got back to L.A. and charged with the four murders. In the end, after a three week trial, he was acquitted on all charges. No one has ever been convicted of the murders. Although he was found not guilty of the murders, he did have to stay in jail for previous offenses. So Mm -hmm. he wasn't released until November of 1982. Mm -hmm. Now, once he was a free man again, he tried to return to the porn industry. However, he couldn't get or keep an erection. So nobody wanted him in their films. Right. In 1982, he and Bill Amerson started their own adult film production company called Penguin (laughs) Productions. Mm -hmm. John was now able to write, direct, and star in his own films. He asked permission to bring Johnny Wad back to life and made two more Johnny Wad films. In total, Penguin released 20 movies between 1985 and 1988. Um, John starred in seven of them. Around this time, he also met Lori Rose, a.k.a. Misty Dawn, a porn actress. Mm -hmm. In 1985, John was the first inductee into the X-Rated Critics Organization Hall of Fame. Hmm. John and Sharon divorced January 17th of 1983. The two never did have any children. Um, Sharon had had three miscarriages during their marriage. In February 1986, John was diagnosed with HIV. Maybe not so surprising since he bragged that he had slept with 14,000 men and women. Mm -hmm. In the summer of 1986, an adult film production company, Paradise Visuals, wanted John in two of their films, which they were filming in Italy. John was all about it. These movies, The Rise of the Roman Empress and The Devil and Mr. Holmes, turned out to be his last two movies. Mm -hmm. And in that second one, he was having unprotected sex with the other actors and never told them that he had HIV. Yeah. Now, he did confide in Lori Rose, however, and soon after, the two of them married in Vegas on January 23rd of 1987. Mm-hmm. In late 1987, John was admitted to the VA hospital for complications of AIDS, where he mm-hmm. spent five months before dying with Lori by his side. Mm-hmm. In 2008, John was awarded the XBIZ or XBIZ mm-hmm. Lifetime Achievement Award. In Mm. interviews during his career, John often made shit up. A few examples. He said that he could not wear underwear due to the fact that every time he got an erection, he would rip the elastic waistband and he decided not to keep wasting his money. (laughs) He also claimed to have multiple college degrees from UCLA in physical therapy, medicine, and political science. (laughs) He said he was the actor who played Eddie Haskell in Leave it to Beaver, just under a different name, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, is not true. Right, right, right. Um, And lastly, he said that he had been in a gay adult movie where he accidentally killed two men by having anal sex with them. That is a crazy lie. Yeah. So he was quite the exaggerator. And again, I, I really liked how they portrayed him in. In that movie, I really yeah. feel like it was right on. Yeah, and I feel like um, Lisa Kudrow was the best choice for to play Sharon. Absolutely, 
she did amazing yeah and what a brutal brutal murder that was yeah i kind of couldn't watch the whole thing like it was kind of it was hard not looking and if you've ever google well you probably wouldn't have but you know i googled the actual crime scene photos you can find them and it it's it's almost like they just recreated those which is what they did but right you know like in the in the movie Mm -hmm. yeah yeah eddie eddie nash was not to be fucked with no no, no. Not them little skivvies that he walked around in all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a little game. <laughs> oh, OK. OK. Because as I was seeing some of the names of these movies that these uh-huh. guys were in, I was like, <laughs> I, I love puns. I love right, puns. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have a list of porn films and some yes. of them are real porn films that one of these two actors have been in. And some yeah. of them are ones that me and my kids came up with over dinner (laughs) one night (laughs) okay awesome so i'm gonna give you the titles and you say they're real or they're made up okay okay so first one terms of endowment made up no it's real okay all right yeah 12 years a sex slave um i'm gonna say that's made up it is made up. My okay. daughter came up Just with because that. of the time, time uh, right. of the movies and stuff like that. Lord of the Cock Rings. <laughs> That's real. No, it's made up. That's made up. Uh-huh. Oh, really? <laughs> I am Virgin. Made up. Nope, real. A movie called I Am Virgin. Yes, John uh, Ron Jeremy was in it. Yes. Huh. Bareback Mountain. And mountain is like M-O-U-N-T-I-N. Like oh, mount, mountain mounting. A, I'm going to say yeah. no. Correct. I made that up. Yeah. Came up with that one one morning on my way to work. Yeah, that's that's a good one, though. Homo erectus. That's real. It is real. Okay. Yep. Lust of Blackula. Real. Yeah, it's real. Okay. Star Wars Return of Princess Leia. <laughs> that's made up. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> you um, know what? what? I can I, I can just hear your kids making these up. And exactly. I, that's what it is. <laughs> I got one. I got one. I got one, mom. Yeah. Uh, the sexorcist. That's a, that's funny. I'm going to say that's real. Nope, that's made up. OK. 21 Hump Street. Made up. Nope, it's real. That's real. <laughs> it's real. It's 21 Hump Street. That's yep. hilarious. So that's the one that just got me. I was like, I freaking love whoever made these movie yeah. titles. I'm loving it. That's funny. Pulp Friction. Uh, made up. Yeah, it is made that's up. I came one. up with that one. Uh huh. Saving Ryan's Privates. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say made up. Yes. Okay, yes. that's good. <laughs> uh, natural Born Thrillers. That's real. It is real. Okay. Yep. San Fernando Jones and the Temple of Poon. I hope that's real. It is real. Uh, oh, I got it. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> San Fernando Jones and the Temple of Poon. You, Poon. Poon. Yep. You got uh, it. It's hilarious. Forest Hump. Uh, made up. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday Night Beaver. Oh, yes, that's real. It's real, yes. That's funny. The good, the bad, and the horny. Uh, it's real. Yep, that's I real. Paranympho activity. Uh, I'm going to say that's made up. Yeah, because it's too I real. I hope huh? you know 
<laughs> but I hope you know that yours are better than the real ones. What I just I'm had saying. so much fun with this. Yeah. Um, how do I love the let me count the lays? Uh, that's real. It is real. That's hilarious. And the last one is clockwork orgy. That's real. No, I made, that, made one up. that up. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's so, funny. That's all I got. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I knew I'm, a lot of that information, but I did not know all that information. Yeah, I never knew. And the only fucking... porn that I ever saw were on Jeremy and was um, like a take on nursery rhymes, which is kind of gross. Ew. <laughs> and he was the um, the the big the wolf. Oh, from like Red Riding Hood. Yeah, yeah. From okay, Red I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're both twat waffles in my book. They are. They are. Yeah. I mean, so... it's. It's, you know, you get a little taste of fame and that porn industry must make you just feel invincible mm -hmm. and like every girl wants you and that then you can do whatever you want. And right. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for that uh, little history lesson yeah. on uh, yeah. some some real dicks. Exactly. Ah. Some real big dicks. Some real big dicks. <laughs> right. Right. We're wrapping right. it up. Wrapping it up and wrap it up, guys. Please wrap it up. Please wrap Even it up. Even if it's a telephone pole. Yep. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Later.